Food Heals Podcast, Episode 80. Anytime, anytime you want to do another session, you just let me know. Um, I'll be calling for sure. Okay, okay, let's do a session right now. What don't you trust about yourself? Oh. <laughs> Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today, we're back with one of our most beloved guests, intuitive life strategist, Alita McDaniel. She's like, I'm going to call her a manifestation maven. Would you say, Suze? Yeah, that's pretty fitting. (laughs) So Alita's experience includes over a decade of culinary arts, personal training, life coaching, holistic health coaching, study of comparative religions and certifications in universal intelligence, mentorship, 12-strand DNA healing, group consciousness, and the intuitive business coaching program, all-knowing entrepreneurship. It's a mouthful, I know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but oh my God, Alita is one of our top faves. I have, I got excited when I realized that she was on the show tonight because I always enjoy talking with her. Alita has been working with quantum consciousness for over 10 years, teaching intuitive wellness, facilitating divine intelligence workshops, and crafting life mastery programs inspired by tapping into the fabric of the universe. But before we get to our interview with Alita, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Conscious Eating 101, an online e-course taught by Magda Friedemrod. Magda is one of our favorite guests, and we just love her class. It's informative, inspiring, and it will give you the tools that you need to take your health journey to the next level. So, are you ready to lose weight effortlessly and increase your health and happiness? Um, yeah. Then the Conscious Eating 101 e-course is right for you. It is right for me. So, here is what some people are saying about Conscious Eating 101. Magda's approach to conscious eating is a refreshing take on how we can all be part of the solution. Expressing love through food choices is truly visionary. Thank you, Magda, for caring so much about the world and our collective future. And that was Michelle Dorn, who is founder of the Ojai Food Co-op. And Jennifer Partridge, founder of Our New Earth, says, Magda has been a blessing, and I can't thank her enough for the deep nourishment she has shared. Her wisdom and understanding of plant-based nutrition helped myself and my partner reach new levels of vibrance, balance, and health in our lives. Not only is her food super nutritious, it is beyond tantalizing to the taste buds. Um, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> this e-course was designed to help you take control of your health. If you're looking to alleviate or prevent today's most common diseases, you're in the right place. If you're interested in becoming the healthiest version of you possible... You're in the right place. So I think if you're listening to this ad, you're in the right place. Check it out at foodhealsnation.com slash 101. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. Today we are here with Alita McDaniel, back by popular demand, and I truly mean that. Yes. Our Facebook group is obsessed with her, and Allie and I are kind of too. Yeah, a little bit. Completely. (laughs) Alita works with people across the globe, tapping into pure consciousness to shift the world one thought at a time. The first 20 years of her life, she suffered with chronic illnesses such as Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, bronchitis, sinusitis, chronic fatigue, depression but was able to completely overcome them all naturally. Yes, and we did cover how she did that in past episodes, so definitely go back and listen to those if you haven't and you want to hear how she healed herself because the story is very inspiring. Alina is super spunky. She's a charismatic lady, (laughs) and she loves having fun-filled adventures. And you'd never know that she spent years trying to figure out, why the hell am I alive? Hmm. 
I've never asked myself that question. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Alita studied at the University of Santa Monica, which is how we met. And during her first year studying spiritual psychology, she received an intense message that she was going to be a spiritual teacher. And now she's on a mission to help you make this the best life you've ever lived. We're so glad to have you back. Welcome, Alita. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm super excited to be able to uh, to just share this space with you all. Yeah. And so we went into your background. Is there anything you want to add before we just delve into our questions? No, you know, I have a, a sneaky suspicion that there's so much more that's going to come out um, in our chat today, uh, as it always does. So yes. I'll just I'll let it happen organically. Great. And so you sent us some things to talk about. We have some ideas to talk about. So we're just going to let it flow because you are this manifestation maven, as I called you earlier. And Susie and I just love to hear you talk. And that's the truth. So, so go. I so love go. it. Go. <laughs> go. One, two, three. Okay, let's just kidding. do this. <laughs> okay, but let's start with like a common theme in many people's lives is breaking out of fear and into success. So whether this is about nutrition, whether this is about building a business, whether this is about just loving yourself more. It can be about so many things, but we're living in fear in a lot of cases. And how do we break free of that so that we can have a successful outcome in whatever it is we're trying to achieve? This is such a huge question for so many people. And this is one of the reasons why I actually wanted to talk about it. Um, A couple months ago, I taught a workshop called Permission to be Fearless. And I was finding that there were a lot of people who were kind of stuck. Um, They didn't even realize fear existed in their life. I mean, they knew they had some fear, but there were so many limiting beliefs that were clouding their judgment. And something as simple as, I'll give you just an example. You know, time is, I know we've talked about this in past episodes, time doesn't move on a consistent scale. So time actually has gaps in between it of space. And the problem is, is that fear kind of, settles into those little gaps of space. And so we start developing anxiety, depression, overwhelmment. Wait, um, Alita, I got to interrupt you. What? We just looked at each other <laughs> and we were like, hold on, hold on. Go okay, back. So go can you back. explain that time? <laughs> okay. Said is not, so, okay. Say that so again. Quant- so quantum physics shows us that time is not constant. It doesn't move consistently. So like we see it and we experience it with our five senses and we, we assume that it's moving consistently, right? But it's our perception of it that makes it look consistent. If you were to break it down into the fundamental level, um, I know we're going quantum here, but if you break it down to the fundamental level, there are gaps in between time of space. And so if we, if we understand that each segment of time is something that we can actually create, uh, you know, by intention, by, you know, very specific intentions, then we can really learn to work to use time to our advantage. And this is where fear comes in is that we all have so many of these limiting beliefs. We've got so many of these beliefs of unworthiness. I'm not enoughness. Um, you know, I don't have the right tools or resources. I never have enough time. And all of these things are indicating what is like a a cognitive bias. It's a, a human affliction called loss aversion. Humans are afraid of losing things. We're afraid of losing people. We're afraid of losing experiences. We're afraid of losing identities. And those fears, regardless of whether or not we see them or we acknowledge them, are working at the foundation of how we're creating our life and how we're showing up. So then the time that we are experiencing is gunked up and cluttered up with all of these underlying unconscious fears. So the first step to really understanding how to overcome fear is literally self-awareness. And, you know, self-awareness is something that, you know, we're like, oh, well, I can meditate or I could just do this spiritual practice. Oh, well, I'm self-aware. Now I know that the ego is this. And and, and you've got these people and this is the, this like, I know that you both have heard this a million and one times. You have these people that you can have a conversation with and you, you hear them spouting off terminology like they're reading a book to you. 
They're like, oh, well, I know that that's just my ego. And this is what my ego does. And this is how I see my ego. And this is how I make friends with my ego. And they're almost like a robot because they, they understand it from a conceptual, conceptual state. state. Yeah. But they don't really understand it at the, at the foundation, like meaning of what it truly means in their life. Or how to get out of that ego-based thinking. Because the ego knows that it's ego-based thinking. Exactly. And the ego is just like, oh, well, let's just spout off this definition and we'll just make it sound like we're smart and then we'll just glaze over the whole thing and then nobody saw the fear that's working against you. (laughs) This is how I got through grad school, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I think we all have gotten through so many areas of our life in this way. So, you know, from that from that space, we never truly reach a state of self-awareness because we never really go into a room and say, oh, this is how I'm showing up. There was um, a really beautiful experience I, I had. I, I saw the Dalai Lama on a video. Um, I think it was like on Amazon Prime. And it was the time that Richard Gere was with him and everything. And, and the Dalai Lama sat down in his chair and he got a little flustered because he was missing his bag. And he he got a little stressed out and kind of looked around and asked his assistants like, Hey, you know, um, uh, can, can you find my bag for me? He finally retrieved it, finally recovered it and started laughing at himself. And he's like, ah, ha ha ha. That was my ego. Oh, that was the attachment. And, you know, and we don't do that. You know, we, we get so stuck in, I have to prove myself to you. I have to tell you who I am so that you understand me from my perspective. I need you to see me the way I want you to see me. And, and we never really truly understand who and what we really are because fear is so heavily guarding and running our life that self-awareness is never really achieved. So we don't ever really get a, a grasp on how we are in this current moment to really understand how fear is running our life. Does that make sense? My ego understands everything you're saying right now, Alita. (laughs) No, but the truth is, is I want to go back because our professors at the University of Santa Monica talked about this concept so deeply. And I knew that my ego understood it, but I'm not going to tell you sit here and go, my authentic self understood everything and I'm manifesting and meditating on a mountain. But I do want to say that the time concept, they would give specific examples that kind of made it real world understandable. And so I'd like to talk about that for a minute. Let's bring it down to earth level, down from quantum physics, down from spirituality. So they gave an example of they were driving from, you know, middle of Hollywood to Malibu or something like that. And conceptually, their understanding of time was there was no way they could make it in time. And somehow using the laws of what you're talking about, I'm not going to pretend to know because I never truly understood this. They made it in time. And they would also say how it's like when you're bored or miserable, time is so slow. But then there's the phrase time flies when you're having fun. And so let's talk about real world examples of what this really looks like. Can we do that? Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that I used to love about what they said with regards to time was that we have this illusion that we are moving through time. And what they what they used to tell us was in actuality, if we imagine ourselves to be like a movie projector. Yes. Time is the film that's running through us. And based on our perception of that reality, then the movie runs faster or slower through us. Right. So, you know, from my perspective, the very first time I think I actually really created something in a matter of time that would not have been possible, you know, had I not made a quantum leap, I think probably the most the the most ginormous leap I've ever taken was when I actually got to go to USM Mm -hmm. and I had found USM from one of my coaches who I had met through Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And she had said, you know, I'm going to be graduating from USM this August. I know it's going to be in your area. I'd love to meet you. I said, that's great. I got online. I checked out the school. I said, wow, this is freaking amazing. I need to be there. I called up admissions. I spoke to Barry and Barry's like, okay, well, is there any reason why you're not going to register for this fall? And I said, I just don't have the money. So he said, okay, well, I'll put you down for next year. But if anything changes, you let me know. And I walked away from that conversation thinking, why in the hell am I holding myself back? Mm 
Like I know the power that I have to manifest something like this. And if this is really where I need to be and I know that I need to be there, why am I standing in my own way of finding a way to make it happen? Mm-hmm. So I went to bed that night and I, I just, I kind of just prayed a little, I didn't kind of, I just prayed really heavily mm-hmm. and, you know, and I basically kind of got in that flow of, okay, wait a second. I need some answers and I'm going to intend that I wake up with the answer. And I, I will never forget. I still have the journal that I wrote it in and, and, and I woke up the next morning. I did some morning pages and from my hand said, you are going to be the next Tony Robbins. You will be there at USM this year. The, the money will come. And within an hour, I got a phone call from a woman who offered to sponsor me for the first year. Oh, the my entire God. first year. And you know, that's a massive commitment. And, and the, the, the financial. It's not cheap. It ain't cheap. No, it's not cheap. And, and so the, you know, that, that right there was, you know, within less than 24 hours, you know, I manifested an entire year of education. I, I manifested the space to be able to find, you know, the answers that I was looking. And I, I, I allowed myself to receive the message from spirit in that moment, you know, that I needed in order to, you know, go on to the next path and the next path and the next path. So I think as far as time and space are concerned, I think that's probably the, the shortest amount of time that I've ever been able to actually experience or manifest something that was so massive that it would have taken people years to be able to save up money for. Yeah. So can we break that down? Mm, yeah. Like, what were the exact steps to do that? You were writing and then you went to bed and these were the messages that came like, how did you do that? Because I feel like what you just said is an incredible story. And if we can really break that down step by step, then people can know how to do it for themselves. Yeah. You know, the, the first thing that, that really comes forward is it has to be an absolute commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that when the movie The Secret came out, uh, you know, everybody was all about, oh, okay, great. I'm going to set my intention and I'm going to sit on the couch and expect a million dollars to land in my lap. <laughs> that you sounds know? awesome. <laughs> and, and, and as great as that sounds, and I would love to be able to do that, it's, it's not how it works. And so in that moment of being open to the answer and being open to clarity, I had to commit to seeing myself being there come hell or high water, no matter what. So instead of where most people function on that fear of losing out on something, I got rid of the plan B, got rid of the fallback plan, got rid of the potential that anything else could exist. And I put 100% faith into that plan A of me being there regardless. And and how did you let go of the fear that it wouldn't or the doubts? You know what? I think at that particular point, there were so many things in my life and there were so many answers that I was looking for that I was sick and tired of going around in circles. Yes. I've, I've been on a platform called Anchor for about a month and a half now. I'm absolutely loving it. And I've been having this conversation with people a lot about, about surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to get to a point, you know, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, but it would be really great if we didn't. And I, I had hit a rock bottom about a year and a half prior to going to USM. Mm-hmm. And that rock bottom place really put me in a position where I had to really reevaluate my life and say, why did I put myself in this position? And I had to take ownership. Most people are not willing to take ownership for why their life sucks. Yeah. So at that moment, in that moment of surrender, in that moment of fearlessness, I was willing to take ownership for all the shit that I had caused in my life, all the chaos that I had created, and and finally said to myself once and for all, I'm going to stop making it any worse, and I'm going to start finding a way to make it better. I'm going to get out of this hole emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, and I'm going to find a way to live my best life. I'm sick and tired of being where I'm at right now because I know that it's not where I could be. And so when you say take ownership, I know that there's all these tools and exercises that they teach at USM and things like that. But taking ownership, what does that mean? What does that look like? Is that writing everything down and going, all right, I accept this? Like, what does it look like? It depends on a day-to-day basis. I, You know, over the course of time, I've kind of shifted and refined it more. So I think in the early stages, it was me writing down the things that bothered me about my day. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and getting clear on the fact that, wait a second, okay, I chose to put myself in that position. I chose to, you know, eat the cookie when I was on a diet. You know, I chose to not work out when I know that I had a competition and I had to stand on stage in a bikini and high heels in a couple months, you know? Um, And so, so, you know, I, I started with writing them down to get really clear on having to be honest and facing the things that, that I was doing that were against my success and, and against my goal achievement. And when I started doing that, I started deciding, okay, in this moment, rather than judging myself for it, rather than getting upset or condemning myself for it, I have to take a different course of action because obviously self-judgment and self-condemnation is not working for me and it just keeps pulling me down. So what can I do instead? Like you have to have a desire to change. If you don't have a desire to change, none of this will work. So I had a desire to change and and so in that, in that space, I would basically say, okay, so tomorrow, this is how I want to be instead. And when that, when that choice comes up again, if that choice comes up again, this is how I'm going to handle it. And I would make myself a note that this is my new course of action. Uh, like I teach my clients to create a code of conduct. So you want to create a code of conduct of your life. So that you know how you are going to beha- uh, behave or handle certain conflicts or certain patterns in your life. I so, love this. Okay, code of conduct. Code of can conduct. you give us some examples like that, you know, people can use in their own life? And I know it's individualized, but like, let's say someone wants to lose weight. Uh, so then their code of conduct would be when I see a pizza, I have to do A rather than C, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that being said, when somebody has to, when somebody's losing weight, the first thing that they have to do is meal prep. Is meal prep. There is absolutely no if ands or buts about that. Mainly because you're always going to make a bad food choice when you're hungry, <laughs> and being on a <laughs> diet is the worst time to be without food. So, meal prep is absolute number one. If by some chance you cannot do meal prep ahead of time and you're caught in an emergency, you're out and about, you should always have a go to list. So if by some chance you're you're on a diet and you know that you get hungry, okay, pizza obviously is not going to work for you. So if you have a code of conduct, a way of behavior that you will choose in those moments of hunger when you're when it's an absolute dire emergency, you don't have food with you, if you already have a list of foods that you are are only allowing yourself to consume, it will make the food choice easier. So that could be tofu, tempeh, you know, brown rice, steamed vegetables, a salad, something like that, even a protein shake, but mm-hmm. something super simple that allows you to really go on a, on a strict protocol so that you don't go to a restaurant, look at the menu, have analysis paralysis, and then waste so much brain space trying to come up with the right solution in that moment. It's I really love- just about proper planning ahead. I love that. I think code of conduct is the best way that I've ever heard it said in this space. So thank you for that. I'm going to, you know, do that for myself. Awesome. I love that. Um, You know, and now over the course of time, too, what I've started to develop is um, a course correction in the moment. So by doing by writing things down and shifting the patterning for the following day, I started to get into a flow of doing it on an automatic basis. So when I was working with my clients, when I first, um, when I first was in uh, Malibu and I was first working on really quantum consciousness, just really digging deep into the DNAs and, and all that kind of stuff, I was realizing that as I was coaching my clients, there were limiting beliefs that were being released in my clients that were triggering me. Mm-hmm. And I was going, okay, wait a second. I have to stay present for my client. I have to be here with them so I can help them work through their process. But these triggers are coming up for me. So I started training myself to be aware of the trigger. And as soon as I would see the trigger, I would shift the programming in my mind and and, and exchange the pattern in my mind so I would make myself a mental note as if I was writing it down. And that allowed me, when I started doing that, that allowed me now where if I'm in a situation and I start to make a choice, I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know what? This isn't, this isn't in alignment with where I, where I want to be. So right now, before I actually make this choice, let me go ahead and switch. So it, 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 
it develops over time. It's a comprehensive process over the course of time where you just start to hone in on it and it really starts to become part of you. So that code of conduct starts as your foundation and it just grows and it expands and it just becomes a level of integrity that, that, you know, we, instead of looking at life and blaming life for happening to us, we start taking ownership for our actions and how we're showing up in life and how we're, how we're choosing and what influences we're allowing, uh, you know, our choices to be made based on. And that's, that's really what it means to take ownership is to really just create that code of conduct so much so that you're always acting in alignment with the outcome, the desired outcome. You're always aligning and calibrating your actions with your goal. I think this is such great advice. I feel like I've actually been been doing this subconsciously for, let's say, the last seven to 10 years as I've been becoming a more conscious person, as I've been becoming a more nutritious person, because it's like life is the books we used to read when we were young. Choose your own adventure. Next, are you going to go A, B, C, or D? And it used to be you had all these choices. And then as you get older, your choices get narrowed and narrowed and narrowed until you become the person you are. But you're saying you're going to make that code of contact so that every time that you face this situation, you know that you choose A. And there's no B, C, D, or E, or F because that is the path that you are on to better yourself, to to make yourself a more conscious person, to make yourself a more healthy person, to make yourself a more successful person, you know, whatever it is, it's choose your own adventure with your code of conduct in mind. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about self trust, because I know that you say self trust is the foundation of all of this. Mm, I'm yeah. so interested in this topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, because, so look, and, we, I've, and I've I've had my session with Alita, and I can, and no, I like every time we I hear you talk, Alita, I'm like, oh, I gotta get another session with Alita because <laughs> you set me right. Like everything you say, she sets you straight. And I don't say that about many people, but everything you say, I'm like, yeah, 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 makes sense, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So go on. Oh, I interrupted. That's awesome, Susie. Anytime. Anytime <laughs> you want to do another session, you just let me know. Um, I'll be calling for sure. Okay, okay. Let's do a session right now. What don't you trust about yourself? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She just looked at me like, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me right now? She drops the mic and walks away. <laughs> She's out the door. Wait, Susie, come back. Come back. No, not at all. I've done enough therapy on myself. I'm an open book. Um... <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, when I think about it, like I'm, I, anytime, like I know my issues and I feel like because I know them, they should be gone by now. Um, and when I think about that topic, when I think about self-trust, I, I draw a blank. I don't know. I want to figure out why, why don't I say, and I don't, because I think that's going to make it heal it. Then I'm going to heal it. Um, I don't know. I think it's deeper. I, um, I think it's pretty deep. I don't know if it's family patterns, if... Um, Who don't you trust in your life? Well, right now, you. <laughs> trust is gone. Stop with the questions. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm in trouble. I'm sorry. My USM skills are coming out because in USM, you have to ask these questions and they get people talking no, and they I, get them to break through. I'm, I'm just joking. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, an op- I'm, I'm willing to... Put it out there in order for myself to, in order to overcome my own stuff. Um, yeah. So what look, was your question? Look, <laughs> I look, I struggle with self-trust too. I feel like there are a lot of aspects of my life that I'm completely comfortable with myself. And then there are a few that are not. So I get it. It's a struggle. So Alita, you say self-trust is the foundation of everything. Like what, what can we do to trust ourselves and to make these loving choices that are in alignment with what we want and who we are? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a killer question. And, and the answer is this. We have to start literally doing things that are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. We, on a daily basis, make promises to ourselves that we break really easily. Yep. We waste money. We waste time. We waste our energy. We waste our thoughts. We waste our emotions. And we spend more time worrying and in anxiety than we do actually fulfilling our purpose. So... On a day-to-day basis, the more we continue to make commitments to ourselves, and the less we follow through on the, the commitments, 
the more reason we have at the end of the day to say, wow, you're such a loser. You suck. (laughs) Right. And we do, we don't do this like really consciously. We do it in the form of, wow, I just look so fat in this. I can never get my eating under control. I can never seem to lose weight. And all of that is indicating to us that there is absolutely no Mm self-trust because we cannot trust ourselves to make the decision to follow through on the commitment. Mm. We have become so far out of trust with ourselves that all we trust ourselves to do is fail. And this comes from you know, early childhood experiences. This can come from a, you know, a toxic relationship. Um, You know, I I do a lot of work with people where I find that a lot of uh, the emotional baggage from their relationship with their parent is impacting their ability to be able to trust themselves. So either they had a, a, a bad relationship with the mom, if it was a woman who, uh, who judged them or was, was jealous of them, Uh, you know, if, if their mom was greedy with, with, uh, their time or still greedy with their time, uh, I have a a mom that I was speaking to on anchor the other day who I was, I started coaching her through a situation that she was having with her daughter and, you know, her daughter was basically, you know, came home from school. She picked her, picked her daughter up from school. They came home and she said to her daughter, you know, so how did you do on the test? And her daughter said, Oh, you know, I think I failed. And the mom was just like, and so the daughter was like, I feel like you're upset with me. She's like, no, no, I'm not upset. Let's talk about this. But what the mom didn't realize was that in that sigh, she was letting her daughter know I'm really disappointed in you. And as I began coaching her, what she had said was that she realized when she came to the understanding that she was projecting her need to feel approval in this space. Like she needed to have her daughter succeed in order for her to feel happy. So she had literally based her relationship, the happiness and the joy of her relationship on her daughter's success. And if there was no success in her daughter's life, she was going to feel miserable. And that's exactly what was happening. And that's what came to the surface where she had a breakthrough. But these are the things that we grow up with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most people would think that's totally normal. Or a lot of moms might think that, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. unless they experience it personally and really think, go through it. Yeah. They would think that, well, what's wrong with that? I'm disappointed. Yeah. And and you know what? But that's the thing. As kids, we only form association. So we start to associate love with approval. We start to associate love with people pleasing. And we, instead of allowing ourselves to just be fully authentic in the space of saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. I trust myself to make the right decisions. We're still acting upon those childhood experiences of, oh, well, if I don't do this, then my, my partner or my parents are not going to approve of me. My boss isn't going to approve of me. So I have to go over and above the call of duty because that's what I experienced as a child. And that's just the way that I see reality. Yeah. So all of those things compiled, you know, into one creates this identity of, of, of a distrust within ourself. Well, we just, we look back on the past of all the ways that we've been disapproved of and all the, the things that our parents thought that we did wrong and we judge ourselves for the past. So there's absolutely no space for trust. I'm having a lot of flashbacks right now. Yeah, I am too. Oh my God. Uh, My music teacher in sixth grade, my math teacher in seventh. (laughs) It's incredible when you start really thinking about it, isn't it? Well, it's so interesting to me because I feel I'm remembering um, my experience of going through these psychology classes. And one of the things that they talk about is how much our current worldview, our current, uh, you know, judgment of ourselves is really based on our childhood. And I'm sitting here with lots of friends and people in close to me that had traumatic childhoods. And I'm going, my childhood was perfect. My parents loved me. They supported me. Everything was fucking great and fantastic. But the truth is, is I had those moments. My parents supported me and loved me, but my dad would say, I love you, but I'm disappointed in your actions. And that affected me so much. And he did it out of love, no fault of his own, but 
He said that to me. And so now I don't want to disappoint anyone that is of, you know, that I see as a higher level person in my life. So whether it's a client, whether it's just someone older than me, that's a friend, I do everything I can not to disappoint them. And that is based on childhood trauma, right? And I don't see it as a trauma. I see it I as- have such a similar, Yeah, I interrupted you, I'm sorry. No, you're fine, that's I it. have such a similar experience because yeah. when I first entered therapy, yeah. and I was 25, I was like, well, my childhood was perfect. Right. I was the envy of all my friends. So and then as I. I went through therapy mm-hmm. year after year, I realized my parents did the best they could. Yeah, of course. But every parent is going to bring something to their child that from their past, from the way they were raised. And I realized, oh, my God. Yeah, it wasn't as perfect as I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I still have my baggage. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's here's the challenging part about all of that is that 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 scope of people-pleasing is what creates our comfort zone. It establishes a certain amount of limits that we will not push Mm -hmm. because if we push them, then we push that potential disapproval from others. Yes. So this is when we look at going to succeed, when we look at taking on a new goal, when we look at trying to attempt to be authentic and to live in our true power, the comfort zone doesn't allow us to get there because within that comfort zone is, well, if you overstep the boundary, you're going to disappoint people and then they're not going to like you and then they're not going to love you and then you're going to be a failure. So, you know, all of these things are really just standing in our way. These beliefs are really working under the surface. We don't realize that they're working. So to build trust and really understand how to reestablish a new identity outside of that comfort zone, we have to make small markers of achievement on a consistent basis, things that we can stick to each day that begin to build that trust within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So literally, if I were to say, I, you know, I wake up first thing in the morning and I'm choosing, for instance, uh, I saw a meme the other day that I reposted on one of my Instagram accounts, and it was from Brian Tracy. Mm-hmm. And it was the 21-day positive mental attitude challenge. So literally for 21 straight days, all you can do is think about the things that you do want, not about the things you don't want, because <laughs> most people <laughs> focus on that all day, every day. Yes. But focus on the things that you do want. So if you wake up first thing in the morning and you commit to yourself, okay, today, just for today, I'm going to commit to only thinking about the things that I do want. And at the end of the day, you've got to celebrate. You've got to say, you know what? I actually did it. Wow, that was amazing. That felt really good or that felt bad. You know, these were the challenges I had. This was, you know, this was maybe a sticking point for me. This is where I started to lose my way. But kind of like analyze it from an objective kind of standpoint. So you're not just in it and be like, oh, well, I I sucked here and I was really bad here. (laughs) You know, but you go at it from a place of saying, okay, great. So I'm, I'm looking at it objectively so that I can be better tomorrow. And that shift in, in, in desiring to build trust within yourself is literally like learning. Like if you were in a marriage with yourself, you have to truly understand who you are. You have to build that relationship. And that's really where trust comes in because the more you begin to trust yourself, the easier it is for you to be led by your higher self, the, the higher power, that, that, that tiny little subtle inner voice that's really wanting to guide you to be great and to do great things. But the more you distrust yourself, the less that little voice can speak and the more ego has a voice. So the more trust you build, the, the less ego can drown out everything else and the easier it will be for higher self to guide you to living your truest and highest potential. I mean, we're kind of speechless over here. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Like, I, just, I was waiting for it to keep going. I'm like, mm-hmm. We're like yes. sitting back in our chair like, okay, we have to take notes. We have to go back and listen again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with the illusion of balance, the reason you need to play all in or not at all, and the power of commitment and why you can't live without it. We'll be right back. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Food Heals Podcast, where you'll find the tools to become a hotter, healthier, happier you. We'll be right back with Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. 
Our sponsor today is the Conscious Eating 101 e-course. Written by Magda Friedemrod, one of our favorite guests, and endorsed by Gunnar Lovelace, one of our other favorite guests, Conscious Eating 101 is a six-week course that will teach you how to live a healthy, happy, and sustainable life. With so much conflicting information these days, it's hard to know the truth about what's sustainable and healthy and what's just a passing fad. Conscious Eating 101 is the result of years of constant in-depth study of health foods and scientific research on the environmental impact of our food choices on our bodies and the planet. Conscious Eating helps you to balance weight effortlessly and enjoy overall improved health. Self-care has been scientifically proven to increase happiness. Caring for yourself as outlined in this program will bring you more health and happiness. Check it out right now at foodhealsnation.com slash 101. And this course is for you if you want to become healthier and happier. You want to help the world become healthier and happier. You want to lose weight. You want to develop lifelong habits of making healthy food choices. You're currently on a healing journey. You want to prevent developing diseases like cancer, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and others. You care deeply about all life. You are ready to make changes and don't know where to start. You're ready to align your food choices with your values. You are called to a higher purpose. So go to foodhealsnation.com slash 101 and you can see how to get instant access to your e-course. Magda has lowered the price for a limited time. For only $297, you're going to get all 15 of these powerful lessons. Plus, the first 25 people to sign up are going to get a free membership to Thrive Market. Foodhealsnation.com slash 101. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Alita McDaniel, and we have so much to talk about. Let's see if we can get to it all. But first, let's talk about the illusion of balance and why balance is not attainable and the reason that you got to play all in or not at all. And what's the real issue with moderation? Because we talk about moderation a lot, and I think the definition of moderation has gotten skewed. So I would love to talk about all of this with you, Alita. Alita? Yes. (laughs) Answer all of those. Go. Shut up, Allison. Alita, go. (laughs) Everything. Um, Okay, so so here's Here's the illusion of balance. We read all of these books and we hear all of these gurus keep, they keep telling us you've, you've got to balance your life. Make sure that you, you don't burn the candles at both and the candle at both ends. And you know, the, the problem is, is that everybody's constantly telling us to play small mm-hmm. instead of actually looking at the bigger picture and saying, what areas of my life can I grow? We're focused on trying to create this illusion of balance because we're afraid of getting burned out, but we haven't even gotten burned out yet. So this is, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the, the concept of the middle class where we look at, you know, the middle class. Um, I won't go too much into detail on it, but the, the illusion of the middle class is we go to school, we get a college degree, mm-hmm. then we hopefully get a job in corporate America. We work a certain amount of years, then we get our pension and our 401k, mm-hmm. and then we go on social security and our, we retire and then we take it easy, Right. But there's no growth in that. It's this right. very limited kind of numb living. Okay. So the same thing holds true with balance. People who are searching for balance are still trying to fit into that box of comfort. There's no challenge. There's right. no passion. There's no inspiration. So every single person who is working a, a desk job or a day job that they hate, their passion is sitting by them going, hey, Hey, can, can we talk? Can, can, can you pay attention to me? And, yep. and they're not paying attention to it because they're trying in their mind to create balance because all of these gurus and all these books have told them that balance is what they need. They don't even know what balance is. I don't know what balance is. I feel the same way. And like, I have been that person sitting there working on one project going, well, secretly other projects are whispering to me going, oh my God, this is it. And I'm sitting here working on another project. I'm your project. Right? (laughs) Exactly. And you know, Tony Robbins said it best. He said, you know, nothing can be perfect in your life. No matter how many things you finally dial in, there's always going to be one thing that's out of whack. Because your focus can only be in so many places at one time. Yeah. So, you know, this this illusion of balance becomes a juggling act. And we get more anxious and more depressed at the fact that we can't create balance. We don't even know what balance is. We don't even know what we're working for. So when I say that, you know, we've got to play all in, it basically goes like this, is that we all have a passion deep within us that is unfulfilled. 
And when we finally step into the plan A, no more plan B, no more fallback plans. When we finally step into the plan A of life and say, there is no more time for me to be numb. I will no longer allow myself to play in everybody else's limits and everybody else's fears and everybody else's comfort zone. I am going to decide to play my life all in, no holds barred, no holding back. It's in that moment that we understand what balance really is. Balance is allowing our passion to lead us. Balance is this, this idea, this concept. When we finally step into our true power, we understand where our attention and our focus needs to go. The balance comes from understanding priorities in alignment with our passion and with our purpose and with our goal. Without being aligned with our passion and our purpose and our goal, we can't have balance because we don't even know what the hell we're doing here. Absolutely. Let me bring this down to real world scenarios that really resonate with me. So I remember like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, whenever like fresh out of college, interviewing for jobs and every single job was like multitasking is so important. And, you know, the ability to multitask and you would go into a job interview and say, I am such a great multitasker. Multitasking is the death of productivity. And as long as you're multitasking, checking emails while doing a project, while doing B project, while doing C project, you are unproductive and unfulfilled and unable to complete. Mm -hmm. Then let me bring this 10 or 15 years forward to now I'm in this entrepreneurial world doing what I'm doing and working on multiple projects at once that are very passionate about. So I found the passion. I found like what I want to do with my life, but there's multiple versions of those working them all at once. And one of my mentors, he goes by this philosophy of what the definition of focus is. Finish one course until success. And the point of that is, is that as long as your mind is doing all these other things, well, I have to do project A to make money. I have to do project B to satisfy this person. I have to do project C because it's a familial response responsibility. And then I'll get to project D, my passion project. In the meantime, you don't succeed at anything, right? And so it really is picking your course until success and then moving to your next course. And if you have that focus, if you have that passion and you're able to do that, you will continually make successes in your life and you will continually live your passion. As long as you're dividing your attention to all these different things, you, you can't be successful. You're just constantly treading above water going, I'm almost there. I'm almost there, but not quite. Right. Absolutely. You know, what's, what's crazy about what you're saying too, is that I, I see this happen in a lot of clients, um, this perception that procrastination, right? We've all done it. So we look at our to-do list and we're like, oh, that's going to take such a long time. And that's going to be really treacherous. And, oh, I don't want to have to talk to that person. So we overanalyze the effort that a task is actually going to take. Mm -hmm. So when we actually sit down to do it, we have a tendency to multitask while we're doing it because we don't even want to be present in the, in the moment of actually doing it because we've, we've made up this story in our mind that it's going to be so much harder than it really is Yes, that we don't give ourselves permission to understand how much easier it could be. Yes. So, you know, this is where commitment comes in. If we decide that we're going to play all in that commitment has to be the reason why we decide not to multitask and instead give something 100% focus. Yes. It's in that moment that we finally say, you know what, I'm fully committed, I'm playing all in, that if I am, like right now I'm building out a membership site and, you know, being a solopreneur is, you know, it's kind of a bitch when you're doing all these things on the back end by yourself. <laughs> well, but I don't know what you're talking about, I know Alina. nothing about that. <laughs> um, and, and so, but, but the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I could say, you know, wow, this is just so hard. I just don't want to do it. Let me just go drink a bottle of wine and drown my sorrows on Instagram. You know, <laughs> right. I, you know, instead I say, okay, well, I, I committed and I focus on my ultimate goal, which for me, I want to reach at least 5,000 new members by the end of June. That's my goal. So as long as I keep connecting to that and I stay committed, then I allow myself to be fully present in the creation process. And what that does, this is what, what's so powerful about it and where also the balance comes from, is that by committing to something and, and, and giving it 100% of your time, your attention, your, your energy, your effort, it changes you. 
Yes. It changes you at the core and it, it shows you a different level, a different aspect of yourself that you didn't know existed because you weren't there. You weren't present. Yes. But when you finally commit and you say, you know what? I'm tired of half-assing it. I'm tired of dipping my toe in. I'm tired of not giving it my all and just, you know, just doing the bare minimum. I am going to experiment and see what it's like to commit fully. And in doing so, I'm going to allow myself to embrace whatever changes come forward. It's in that moment that we feel a sense of balance without ever having to try to create it because that balance is self-awareness. The balance is self-awareness. Everyone say that to yourself. (laughs) Okay, let's go through just let's just name Joe. And every day Joe gets up. He has to try to fit in exercise. He has to try to fit in a healthy breakfast. He has to get his kids to school. He has to go to his job and then he works on his music career at night. I just made that up. It's pretty good, right? That was excellent. (laughs) And then he also has to be present to like read his kids bedtime stories. And like, of course, he has a wife, but she works, too, and they barely get to see other so he also has to make sure he has time for date night but his real passion is his you know his music career okay so let's just break it down you can keep going i'm really am, okay, I, what I, else? you guys make wow, it up. no amazing. i loved it i loved it no i loved it i'm not criticizing i'm saying okay so, a picture. so let's just let's just break it down what are joe's action steps does he need to make a code of contact conduct does he need to start a gratitude journal like what are his steps to get into oh and he wants to lose some weight he's trying to get in shape Oh, oh my goodness. So he's Why kind is of he out of weight. Because he's, he got a little, you know, the marriage made him gain a little weight. You know, he got a little too happy. He ate a little Are they too having, much. are they sleeping together? They're, it, they're sleeping okay. together, but the sex isn't as good because, you know, he's a little overweight. So the wife isn't as attracted to him anymore. <laughs> oh, this is Alita, go. Yes, go. Okay. So the first things first is, is, is changing the language. Okay. Most of us go into changes going, oh, I have to do this. No, you don't have to do it. You get to do it. Yes. Are you choosing to do it? Or are you giving yourself permission to do it? Or do you have to do it? Who yeah, I wish my, I wish my husband was here right now. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> we'll have to replay this. We're going to have to replay it for him. We're going to have to replay it. So that's the first thing. You know, when you can actually accept the fact that you are choosing to do this in this, in this moment for, for here on out, that is going to shift everything. The second thing that you want to think about in any, in any perspective, in any change is a change has to be something that you're willing to make for a lifetime. It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's a, it's a journey of self-discovery. So if you can understand, okay, I'm choosing to do this for me because I want to feel freaking better. Like I'm sick and tired (laughs) of not feeling sexy in my marriage. I'm tired of my wife, not, you know, liking the sex anymore because I put on some weight, you know, or Joe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, poor Joe, you know, and his music is probably suffering. He probably doesn't his feel music as good is on stage suffering. anymore, you know? For sure. Yeah, and, and he it, used to be on stage all the time, every weekend, jamming with his boys, but now he has to say, guys, I can't make it. And so they're not performing and they're not touring anymore. And it's got brought him on some depression. Alita, by the way, Allison has been ta- wanting to do an improv class and I'm ready to take her because <laughs> I'm doing do good it. with my improv. You yes, like my improv? Yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's so here's what we need to do with Joe is we need to really take a look at why Joe let himself go to begin with? What was the trigger point that caused him to go down this road? Um, You know, because it's in that moment where he started to become complacent and he started to let his fear get the best of him. So when most people feel like they're giving so much to somebody else, they go into martyr syndrome and they start to put their needs and their emotions and their wants and their desires on the back burner to please other people. So we've got to remind Joe that his life is his own. Nobody is responsible for his life except for him. And we have to, we have to give him the opportunity to visualize what his life could be like if he was able to make these desired changes. When we visualize that and we we get really just in the, It's in the feeling. It's like a tangible feeling, a sensation with all five senses of what life could be like if you actually reach that goal. 
And then what I like to do is I like to take my clients kind of on a discovery session. You know, who is that person? How do they respond to conflict? How do they show up in life? How do they respond to others? How do they dress? What kind of work do they do? And I have my clients actually take a note or take lots of notes of, of who this future person is so that they can see where they are different than that future self. And from there, when you look at that future self, you're able to say, well, wait a second, their code of conduct is very different than mine. Because if A, they have already lost all of this excess weight, they're eating clean on a consistent basis, and I'm not doing that. And they're happy all the time. What are they doing to be happy? Oh, they meditate first thing in the morning. So before they go and they give their all to everybody else, they ground themselves and they feel they 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 fill up their heart with energy and love and light before they go try to give to others because if they don't, they're giving on an empty battery. So, so to take a look at that future self and say what what makes them different than what I'm what I am now, and then literally take a course of action to start shifting the the current thoughts and behavior patterns and habits to match that future self. And when we do that, we begin, we begin to literally act like the universe. You know, um, there's this, this phrase that say, what you seek is also seeking you. Mm-hmm. So in the very moment that the problem is created, the solution is already created as well. So if we get out of our own way by shifting our habits, shifting our thoughts, taking action on becoming that future self, we are helping the universe to manifest things faster than if we fought against it and created more resistance. So we're literally just in that moment, clearing out the clutter of our current slothness and our current procrastination and our, our current moderation excuse. And we're getting all that stuff out of the way and saying, you know what? I'm fully committed to that future self because I know that I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to feel better about my, my art, about my creative space, my creative juices, my marriage, my, my fatherhood. And when I do that, it's going to change me and I'm okay with that. So it's, it's literally that process of aligning who we are now with that future self having already achieved the goal and calibrating everything that we are doing in the current moment to match who we know we will become once that goal has already been achieved. See, most people where they fail is they say, well, when I achieve it, I'll be happy. Right. When I get this money, I'll be happy. When I lose this weight, I'll be happy or I'll feel sexy. But that literally prevents you from reaching it. And that says to the universe, I don't want it. I don't believe it's true. Don't give it to me. That's the best advice I've heard all night. That is so true. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. Does Joe feel better now? Joe is so excited. He cannot wait to get back into the studio and jam with his peeps and talk about (laughs) all that he's learned tonight. Right, Seuss? He is so excited. Oh, my God. We're going to have to have Joe on for a follow-up interview. Let's meet Joe. I know. Yo, I'm Joe. Allison? Go. (laughs) Yo, play Joe. Thank y'all very much for tonight. I don't know how to do Joe. All right. So, Alita. I got to get her in an improv class. I know. (laughs) Alita, tell everyone what you're up to now, where they can find you online. We know you have a membership site in the works. We know you have a podcast in the works. Tell us everything that you're doing. Okay, so right now I have a website called Ambassador for Goodness, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm building a membership site on the back end of that called Goddess Intelligence Academy. Um, I'm really, really excited to talk about it now. Um, It will literally have programs on intuitive eating, uh, conscious business, entrepreneurship, wealth consciousness, um, mindset, uh, manifestations, everything is going to be built in on that back end. So I'm really super excited about that. You'll be able to find it literally. The, the links will be on ambassadorforgoodness.com. Um, with my mentor, my mentor is the founder of Secret Entourage Academy and also the author of Third Circle Theory. And he and I are starting a podcast. So yay, have, yay I'm so excited. So it's <laughs> called I Am Life. And we're literally talking We're he wants to bring in a lot of the controversial stuff. So he actually forced me to talk about politics one day. I was like, oh, so <laughs> oh, I love it. I thought about that today. I'm like, we should talk about politics. I'm like, nah, Allison probably won't want to. I love politics. What are you talking about? I <laughs> no, just, I just, people just, just don't like my, people just don't like my opinions. <laughs> well, and, and you know, that that's exactly the thing is that, you know, we we're 
going to open up those those topics that are controversial because mm-hmm. people are so afraid of being, you know, PC and not offending anybody that nobody's actually talking about what really needs to be discussed. So yeah. the I Am Life podcast is really going to get, you know, down and dirty with a lot of those things. We're going to talk about, you know, conscious business, entrepreneurship. Um, we work a lot with millennials um, mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's going to be fun. I'm really super excited about that. One of the social media platforms I've been playing a lot with is Anchor. Uh, if you're not on it, I highly, highly recommend it. You can find me there. It is literally a, it's, it's like, two and one minute uh, audio snippets. So you can have full deep conversations with people across the globe. Mm-hmm. And I have made some incredible networking connections there for keynote speeches, joint ventures, the whole gamut. Um, so I highly recommend it for anybody, especially if you're just starting out in business or you really want to become omnipresent with your message. My book is now going to advanced readers to get some feedback uh, to get editing done and will be released very, very soon. So I'm very super excited about that. Yay, I can't Yay. wait to read it. Yeah, I'm going to send you guys some advanced copies too because I would love to hear your feedback as well. Oh, thank you. Um, and other than that, it's just, you know, me, myself and I just being totally omnipresent on social media trying to get this message out, so... We love the message. We love everything you're talking about. And I think that Susie and I still have questions and I'm sure Food Heals Nation does as well. So we're going to have you back soon. You're just you're just a regular now. You're just going to come up once a month. You're an an installation. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we can't wait for your podcast to come out and your book to come out and your membership site. So keep us posted whenever everything is live. Let us know. We'll have you back to promote all that as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Alita. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. 